0: Hello and welcome to episode 66 of Inside the WDF with me, Andrew Sinclair. I can safely say that this week's two guests are two of my favourites from this year, Raymond Smith and John Imry. First up is Queensland's Raymond Smith, who won his first WDF title in a number of years just over a week ago at the North Queensland Classic thanks to a 6-1 final win over first-time WDF ranking event finalist Donovan Lottering. I spoke to Raymond last week about his battle with depression since his appearance at Alexandra Palace a couple of years ago, how he got into darts in the first place, his incredibly complex practice game frustration, and what it meant to him to wear the green and gold representing Australia in the Asia-Pacific Cups and the World Cup. I'm now delighted to be joined by the 2021 North Queensland Classic champion, Raymond Smith. Raymond, how are you? Good, thanks. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad, thank you, mate. So, congratulations on your win in Townsville at the weekend. How do you look back on that, that win now? Because it was the first one on the, the WDF Tour for you in a, in a little while.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, yeah it, um, it, it came more by circumstance than... And planning, I was uh, up in Townsville for work. So a young fellow won the Sunshine Classic at the uh, earlier in the year, and I thought I'd go up and and watch. And I'm yeah, I, I only just signed back up to darts, so jumped in and had a go. Well, wow. a bit lucky.
0: Well, you were pretty comfortable in your in the competition all the way through, really. You know, five 0 win in the semi-final, six one win in the final. But the big test came in the, the quarter-final. You edged it four three against your son Kai. Talk to me about that, because I can't imagine that's the first time you two have played each other.
1: No, no, no. And uh, I've had a lot, of, lot, of, lot, of luck against him, I suppose. But say uh, he's getting getting close to doing me. He got me in one of the uh, the events earlier in the year. But um, yes, yeah, it's, ne- it's never easy playing your, your, your son, especially when I'm heavily invested in his future. So but I tried to try to stick it to him, but he just kept coming back at me. So. In the end it was just a lucky, hell, no, I won't say lucky, I, I set up a, a pretty good leg and um, he was a little bit behind. So
0: so in terms of your son getting into darts, did that kind of come through you or was it something he picked up himself when he was younger?
1: Uh, no, I think it came through me, he, he was watching me a lot as a kid, I was hoping he did something else, but um, yeah, he, he just loved it, so uh, I think from about... 18 months old he's had a set of darts in
0: his hand with you know the coronavirus and everything like that the number of ranking events in australia has been quite limited so as things stand your win at the weekend puts you top of the australian wdf regional ranking which puts you in line for a spot at lakeside next year is that something you'd thought about at all
1: no no i haven't even uh haven't even thought about it though i caught wind of it today and it was like oh yeah it's it's not on the radar at the moment but um if circumstance happens and oh, we'll see what happens we'll see how it goes
0: i mean you have played on that lakeside stage before i think it was 2017 you won one lost one both your opponents were belgian how do you how do you look back on that experience
1: yeah it was uh, it was a real learning experience um I think if, if it wasn't for, for Jeff Smith, I probably would have been in a, in a lot of trouble because um, I turned up there two days before the, the tournament was supposed to start and I didn't realize there was all the pageantry and that all had to go with it. I put through my itinerary of what I was doing. So I was out at um, Aldershot practicing when Jeff messaged me and says, oh, you're supposed to be here. Oops. Um, okay, so I rushed up from Aldershot to, to Frimley and... On oh, a sort of one of those moments I didn't realise how, how oh, I didn't understand the gravity of how big darts was in, in England. So uh, uh, people found out, oh, I had an interview after the first game and asking why I was blowing on my sleeve. And um, I said it was because of June who we lost earlier in the year and then all of a sudden everybody was invested in it. And I, I kind of sort of got blindsided I suppose. Yeah, it was pretty surreal when I was sitting in the hotel room watching TV, I was watching Big Bang Theory, and and there's an ad with my face on it. It just kind of blew me away.
0: (laughs) The end of 2018, you played in the PDC World Championship at Alexandra Palace, and we'll we'll touch on that in a bit. But since sort of being back in Australia, I know you've done the, the DPA events, but I saw that you said on Facebook you've sort of been in retirement for the, the last couple of years what's what's that all about
1: uh, yeah so not long after i got back from the, the pdc worlds um, my brother uh unfortunately committed suicide and uh, i didn't really deal with it that well um so while i was over in england I, obviously i went there and i stayed there for the whole christmas i had a fantastic time traveling around london i loved the history and, and all that and i was having such a great time and then come home and when everything went pear-shaped I was just looking for something to blame and unfortunately that was it
0: Mm. so is what happened with your your brother is that why you are such of a big advocate for you know mental health awareness and openness and and talking more
1: I'm probably a little bit more focused on it now I was always uh, a a big advocate of it Um, I mean coming from a a very social economic background. Um, well, I've kind of sort of dealt with it my whole life, but um, it never quite hit me as hard. Um, uh, I've struggled with uh, depression my whole life, so. Um, and then when I sort of come to the end of it was when this happened and then, yeah, I, I just um, didn't have the tools or I wasn't equipped to deal with it. So, um, yeah, but at the same time I didn't I didn't ask for help I thought I was a little bit stronger than that but, um, turns out I wasn't so now I would make sure that everybody knows that it's not too weak to speak you know? if, you, if you're having troubles get up and say something it's a problem shared there's a problem halved
0: mm. absolutely so you said that sort of darts was the thing that got blamed so in terms of playing you were still doing some events but obviously not a lot so what was keeping you playing those few events that you were doing?
1: Uh, I think they were just local. So um, the events that were played were played at my club, and um, so out of uh, Pine Rivers. And like uh, when I went to Japan and all that sort of stuff, um, I wasn't getting any leave payments from work and or any subsidies or, or all of that stuff. So um, Greg Walsh, as well, but one of my best friends or my best friend and my, and my sponsor was dipping his hands into to his pocket for me. The club was, was fundraising like machines for me, and so I thought a little bit obligated to turn up and support him whenever they, they held the tournament. So yeah. that's pretty much it. Like, I've begrudgingly turned up, I suppose, but it's my own attitude, not <laughs> no one else's. But, um, yeah, no, I felt like I needed to support, so I did.
0: So looking back originally for you then, how did you first, Get exposed to dogs? How did you first get into it?
1: Uh, well, it was, uh, it's quite a funny story. It's one I tell quite often, though. It's, um, so uh, I used to play cricket as a kid, and whenever I get injured, we were live in a caravan park at the time. They had a little shack, and inside this little shack was a dartboard, uh, a little, tiny little uh, wood fireplace, and, and uh, a little seven inch TV. So on a Friday night, we used to all go down in there, throw in a dollar, uh, best of one, 101, and play that while we're trying to cook something on the on the fire. And then at 7.30, we'd watch the football on TV. And that was pretty much my Friday night. And I uh, kind of got hooked on it. And then one of the ladies that lived up the road come down to get a lift uh, with my dad as he went to work. The lady played at the local club at Anala, and she watched me having a throw. She says, I'd be pretty keen to get you in a side. And... And, um, yeah, I was young and full of bad manners and all that. And, but I eventually agreed and I went down there and I met, um, that's where I met June and, and Arthur White. Yeah, they just showed me a different side of life and I kind of sort of fell in love with uh, the people, the atmosphere and, and the game. So.
0: so what sort of age were you when you realised that you were, you know, a good player and sort of started travelling around Australia to various competitions?
1: I never really saw myself as a good player, even when I was travelling abroad. We had so many good players here. I was just picking off the win here and there. I only really started travelling uh, with with Greg. Um, we played a played in the same team on a Thursday night, and he says, "Oh, do you want to go to the Central Coast Classic? I think it was." And I said, "Oh, I don't really travel to these things, but we'll have a go." And I turned up and. I won one. I thought, oh, maybe I could go right at it. something like this. And I think it was three months later. I, I won the Australian, Australian Championship, Australian Singles, and then I kind of sort of got a little bit of an idea. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've I've only ever really played for fun. I've never thought of it as um, yeah. I've never really thought of myself as anything but somebody that just plays for the fun of it.
0: Your nickname is the Guru. Where did that come from?
1: come uh, from a mate named Jimmy Shannon, so uh, one of the guys I used to play with at Anala. I was always one of those guys I wasn't happy just watching something or doing something. I had to know how it all worked and and all that so when it come to cricket, I knew all the the ins and outs the, the the physical structuring of the body and how it all moves and got quite adapted to thinking and tactics and, and uh, with darts, same thing, the, the biomechanics of it all and the, and the mental game just really fascinated me. so I'm um, playing a game of darts and I'm having a bad day and I'm sitting back thinking, why am I having a bad day? And then I list out all the things that I'd done that day. And, and then I come across this thing called a presence of mood map. And yeah, that was it. I started filling those out every night, so said a little bit too full on, so he started calling me the guru.
0: <laughs> I've read somewhere that you've developed a, a practice game of your own called Frustration. How does that work and sort of what does it involve? Uh, yeah,
1: um, Frustration, is, it's, it's aptly named. Uh, so Frustration was a game that I came up with because I was not the biggest practicer. I, I hated it, if I'm honest. So I wanted to find something that would either, um, either keep me entertained or annoy me enough that my ego would pick up and I'd want to finish it. Uh, So I've entered the game called Frustration. So the way it works is you have to hit a triple 20. So the way it works, you go around the board on doubles, but you have to hit a triple 20 uh, before you can go for the double. So Frustration's got a lot of steps to it. You can start off just going triple 20, then a a double and around the board that way. You can do a triple 20 where you've got to hit, um, where you can't split the double. Uh, You've got to hit the triple 20, and you've, you've got to hit a triple 20 on your... First dart, one and five walks, and then you uh, can't split the double, and then it comes down, if you miss the double, three 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 walks in a row, so if you hit a triple 20, whether it be first or second dart, and you miss the double, three walks in a row, then you go back to, to one. I was telling the story to someone I played, I'd, I'd, I'd managed to stave off everything for about an hour and a half, I uh, got around to double 19, then I missed the double 19, three walks in a row, and the, threw the toys out of the cot. <laughs> Stop practising that day.
2: <laughs> it's a
1: really good game because it not only um, gets you working on movement and, and focus and concentration, but it's probably the only practice game I've, I've ever played that simulates pressure because it's pressure within
0: your own mind. Oh, absolutely. That does sound sort of a, a grueler. You've represented Australia at the Asia-Pacific Cup, the World Cup. When you first got called up to, to you know, pull on that green and gold jersey, how did you react?
1: Uh, I think I was in shock. Um, yeah, you know, we're heading back to the the whole uh, low social economic status, and and um, it's funny. The only other time that I've ever felt like that is when uh, after playing Phil Taylor and McCoy. you know, people like me don't don't do that sort of stuff, and then all of a sudden it's there, it's real. I have the piece of paper in my hand and. I don't know whether to shout, to to fist pump, to cry, to vomit, or just to hand it back and say, oh, I think you made a mistake. But um, yeah, very, very proud, very, very humbling. Yeah, it was was one of those things that I never ever thought would happen. I never thought that I was gonna be that guy. And yeah, I think I hit it off social media for as long as I could. Um, And then probably six months later, the, the the pride sort of burst out and, but yeah I, I kind of sort of felt like a, a bit of a fraud if I'm honest but, <laughs> um, but yeah, when, I, when I turned up there though it was, yeah, I, was I was up for it
2: mm.
0: the 2017 World Cup over in Japan Australia had a brilliant tournament you won the men's teams competition you won the men's overall competition and you finished runner-up in the men's singles as well how special was that week?
1: Yeah, it was phenomenal, but, it kind of sort of fitted in with, with me as a dark player, because, um, they're just a great bunch of guys, I, I, it was like, I was traveling with mates, and I was, I was out having a throw on a Friday night, most of it, and, but the support, the, the, the team morale, the atmosphere, was just, it was, it was great, until I got the World Cup of Mans, and, I've got the photo here, and, yeah, if um, if you look at it, you can see I'm just bawling my eyes out. Uh, very, very proud moment for for myself.
0: And I can imagine that week as well. The success you all had. There's now probably a tremendous bond between you and the three other blokes on the team.
1: Oh yeah, abs- absolutely. Look, that's um, it's something that's uh, like we're, we're the first in the southern hemisphere. We're the first for Australia. We're um, yeah, we we're. we're pretty proud of what done. we done. We celebrated it uh, as well, we were, but it was one of those things like, it wasn't just, uh, you know, I, I won a World Cup, it was, the whole team was like uh, mentioned and Tomo and, and Towns who were just as excited for me that I'd won a World Cup as I was for them, that they'd won a World Cup. And the way we played in those teams games were, were phenomenal. One of those things you can't really describe, it was just, at that time at that place at that time at that place it was perfect
0: i mean how was japan as well because that's for me one of the great things about the wdf system that through those regional cups and the world cup you get to see various parts of the world so what was it actually like getting to explore japan for a bit of the time you were there
1: oh it was brilliant um i love my food so um i started planning food tours and all that a couple of months out and um one of the things I wanted to try was Okinamiyaki, which was in Hiroshima. So um, I'm walking around Hiroshima and looking at the um, at the A-Dome and sites like that, and looking at the history, and one of them there, if you ever, if you ever go there, the, um, they have the giant drop from where the bomb was exploding, and they said, take a look around, take a look around, it looks fantastic. You see a temple off to the distance. Then you go down to this big rotunda, and it says, if you stood at the drop and look around, Look up and you see all this bronzing, where the whole place was just levelled, and it's like it's probably a really good start for this week. Yeah, nothing will humble you that. Yeah, there's nothing in my life is as bad as what what happened there. So, and they were just so forthcoming with their history. The culture was just so welcoming and inviting and and, um, supportive. The food was phenomenal. I'll never forget the food. But um, just a country streaked in tradition and history. And I mean, I've, I've been fortunate enough that I've been to, to Japan twice through the WDF system. I've been to England twice through the BDO and, um, and Turkey as well. Turkey was, was a great trip in 2015, uh, 15, hmm.
0: 2015. 2018, you played at the Brisbane Masters for the, the PDC World Series. And I know I've spoken to, you know, like of Ben Robb and a number of other sort of Australian Kiwi players that, you know, when you guys get the opportunity to, to play those PDC big boys and you get to beat one of them, I know it's a big scout, but to beat Michael Smith, to beat him the way you did and to do it in Brisbane, you know, in Queensland, where you're from, that must have been an absolutely wonderful feeling.
1: Yeah, yeah, having having mum in the crowd, um, I was a little bit heartbroken because Dad couldn't make it. He wasn't well that day, but um, I had my wife, and my kids, my mum, my mates, and uh, yeah, it was it was a great feeling. Being a very very proud Queenslander, standing in front of, of my mates, my uh, my work colleagues, and, and the Queensland crowd, it was it was pretty special. But um, yeah, it was a it was it was a funny one. I had um, I can't remember what it was, but something in the in the in the uh, back room, got up I uh, got up my nose, so I had my back up and that's probably <laughs> the only time I've ever really played well on stage, but something got my back up. I can't remember what it was. And I went out for a breather and I uh, said to Bozza, uh, Mark Bosnich, he says, how are you feeling? I says, I'll be right, don't worry about it. And I'll, I walked off and I come back in and I was hitting the board and I think you can hear me hitting the board from, from outside the practice rooms. <laughs> when I'm doing that, I feel all right. So I got up there. I was I was full of confidence. I was full of beans, but I was 100% focused. It was just that night. Unfortunately, uh, I ha- I had something similar against Peter Wright the next night. And I stuck with with him in the first three legs, but then just faded off.
0: So then the end of 2018, we've touched on it already. That Alexandra Palace, you got over there to play for the first time. Played Alan Tabern pulled it back from 2-0 to 2-2, eventually lost it 3-2. But what did you take from, from that game and that whole experience?
1: Oh, it's probably one of the most frustrating games I've, I've ever played. I practised really well um, the, th- the three to four days leading up to it. I felt really great going up there. But um, it's one of those things, like, um, I don't know if a lot of people sort of understand it, where... Um, from the European countries, but I mean here in Australia, if I want to play a tournament, like the the weekend, it cost me just over eight hundred dollars to get there and accommodation and food and all that sort of stuff. To and you're playing for a thousand dollar first prize. It's um,
2: you know,
1: it costs a lot of money and all that sort of stuff. And even when you get there, under certain conditions, because it's up in the far north, um, it's pretty rare to get a a massive travelling contingent of the of the better players. So. Wasn't quite um, battle hardened, and um, but yeah, I remember walking through the doors. I felt, as I said, I felt amazing. I practiced amazing, and then I pushed through those doors. And I thought, I've only got one shot at this because I'm not, I'm not here for Q School. I'm not here for, for Lakeside. I'm not here for, for anything else. I've got one shot to try and prove myself, and then um, yeah, as soon as I push through the doors, it's like if I win this game, it's uh, fifteen thousand pound. That's enough to to put a house deposit down. And then I was just like, ah, I've already lost this game. But mentally, I'm just in the wrong place. So, um, yeah, and I can remember walking up to there and I I tried to, I struggled with it for the first two sets. And uh, yeah, I could just remember, I think it was in the second set, I broke my plate. Because I was grinding my teeth so much, I was so furious. And I brought it back to 2-wall and then as soon as I got it to 2-wall, I started thinking about the, the whole house thing again. It was just like, ah, you idiot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to ask you about the teeth because I vividly remember... I can't remember whether it was the third set or the fourth set. You've just won. And I think they went to a break and the TV company in Sky in the UK... I remember they showed this slow-motion replay of you giving it a fist pump and the teeth moving um, so I was going to ask, kind of, what was what was the setup
1: there? Uh, as, as I said, I, I broke the plate in the second set, and then um, yeah, I let out a fist pump, and I was so uh, so annoyed, I was grinding my teeth, so the 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 plate dislodged, and yeah, so I let out a fist pump, and I knew I'd done it. It was <laughs> it was kind of hilarious at the time. I just thought, yep, this is going to make
2: YouTube.
1: But, uh, it happened a few times after that too as well, So, but fortunately the cameras missed
0: it. <laughs> this year on the, the DPA, I know they've done the satellite tour. That was something I talked about with Wayne Weaning earlier in the year. And I know you've done the, sort of the Queensland bubble, as it were, and obviously you played the, the WDF event this past weekend. Now you're sort of on this sort of comeback tour, as you've described it. What kind of goals have you got? in the sport of darts, or have you not put any kind of ideas together?
1: I haven't really put anything together yet. Um, I was probably surprised on, on the weekend. Uh, we had so many quality players there, and, um, yeah, I kind of sort of thought, yeah, you know, if, if I can make quarters, I'll be happy. Like, I, I expected to go out to Kai as soon as I saw that that I was drawn against him. He's been playing phenomenal darts, and I thought, you know... But I, I had a had a half decent crack, but um, I've come back and had a thought about it, and um, my work is very very supportive of me playing darts again. Well, my manager at the moment, uh, Art Terry, he's he's been really brilliant throughout um, uh, the, the last year and a half, and really supporting and getting behind me. And so when I asked him about it, he says, "Yeah, yeah, for sure. He's he's more than happy for me to have a go." So yeah, I'm looking at. Um, at rejoining the tour at some stage, in, in what capacity, I haven't quite put it all on paper yet. I mean, if, if I'm going to do it again, I'm going to do it properly this time. So um, it's not just turn up to a tournament, have a yarn with mates and go home, and if I win one, I win one. It's like I'll be turning up to try and give, make a real fist of it. But yeah, it's just, I suppose it's just making that decision now and and making sure I'm comfortable with the the events of 2019 and... Was I to put all of that behind me and move on to the next stage, or was I not I need a little bit more time?
0: Not mm. sure well, I hope that you have put those events behind you and you feel in a comfortable place now to to do the tour cause I think the tour will be a better place with you on it and Thank you very much for your time today, Raymond. I really appreciate your honesty and and talking to you, and hopefully you do get that spot at lakeside, and you are able to come over beginning next year and I get to Have a catch-up and a beer with you then.
1: Oh, absolutely. I'm always down for a catch-up and a
0: beer.
1: Anything for a bit of fun and a laugh.
0: I hope you enjoyed that chat with Raymond. I certainly enjoyed talking to him. One of the most thoughtful players I think I've ever spoken to, just someone I think I could chat about darts with for an incredibly long time and someone who... I really hope, does do the tour properly once again because he's definitely got the ability and he's someone I'd like to see after everything he's been through, get some of those big opportunities once again. Second guest this week is John Imry. John was born in the Faroe Islands and he's been making a bit of a splash this year, playing a lot more darts that the wider public are aware of. I think many people might know him from Q School earlier this year where he had a string of impressive results, most notably when he... ...beat Fallon Sherrick and averaged over 100. But he's been doing pretty well. He played at the Chelsea weekend just gone... ...finished mid-table in the British Pentathlon... ...and picked up some ranking points in England National Singles. And John will be playing a number of events before the end of the year... ...with a goal of hopefully reaching Lakeside... ...and being the first Faroe Islands-born player to play at Lakeside. I spoke with John last week about his incredible life story... ...the last 30 years he spent in England playing darts for Devon, for Cambridgeshire, the seven months he spent homeless and the awesome year he's had this year and what he hopes to achieve before he hangs up the darts for good. I am now delighted to be joined by the man once called the Faroe Islands' greatest export, John Imry. John, how are you?
3: Absolutely marvelous, great, mate. Thank you.
0: It's been a good year for you so far, 2021. You've been doing the Challenge Tour, the WDF Tour, and it all began with a a good run at Q School for you. What prompted you to enter Q School this year?
3: Quite a number of things but um, kind of short. I, there's a few guys that I used to play with in Devon. Uh, Ryan Searle, Paul Milford. Um, they used to do it. Uh, Simon Stevenson, uh, John Mann and I thought, oh, do you know what? I'm 55. I'm going to give it one more go and try the big stuff. And um thinking, well, I used to beat them before and I just want to see if I can do it again. Um, And my wife says, if you want this for a Christmas present, they'll do it. And um, I was a bit, (laughs) being Scottish, a bit tight with it. But uh, yeah, I thought I might as well go for it. So I went for it and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I wish I'd done it 10 years ago, but yeah, it's good.
0: The headline result, I think, for you in, in Milton Keynes, the one that I think a lot of people... Took notice of was when you averaged just shy of 104 against Fallon Sherrock. But the thing that struck me when I was sort of following your games and stuff was the consistency. You know, every game was 84, 83, 80, 85, 86 average. Do you think that consistency is your, your biggest strength as a player?
3: Well, I've always said to people, I never want to be a brilliant player or a great player. I want to be a steady player because it's harder to beat a steady player than it is to beat a good player because you've got to be on the ball all the time and you've got to get them finishes and I just think well just keep the consistency the thing I did wrong which is a bit stupid really but uh, what I think what I did wrong is I used my first game um, in Q School in the qualifying stages things I used it as a practice um, hence the reason I had a 68 I think and a 72 or 75 and then in the second game I had to step up, which I was able to do. And I think just that consistency is, for any player, it's what anybody wants really. So yeah, I suppose it is my biggest strength, I suppose. It's, yeah, I just don't want to be a, a good, a great player. I want to be recognised as one of the most steadiest players ever. I consider uh, Alan Glazier, uh, the old guy, He uh, Cliff Lazaranko really, really steady players and when I used to talk to him when I was younger and stuff and even talking to Cliff as an uncle now he's amazed how consistent and steady I've been um, this year and uh, thanks to online darts that's helped me immensely.
0: After Q School you picked up sponsorship from Robert Holmes and that sort of allowed you to, to do the Challenge Tour and the, the WDF Tour. How did that sponsorship deal come about?
3: Um <laughs> I was just, I was just trying to be cheeky, really, and uh, and I just put on Facebook, would anybody uh, like to sponsor me? And 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 uh, some of the people are laughing at me and said, bye, oh, you're too old, you're too old." And um, I knew Robert Holmes when I lived in Devon. I knew Robert Holmes. Um, he played in one of my local pub games, and he he just he just he rang me up and says, "Look, can I sponsor you?" Um, I want to be on your your journey for your darts. Um, especially what you've just done in Q School. Um I'm just amazed at what you've done, so yeah, so uh, that's how that came around. Um, so I drove to Bristol and he drove to Bristol and we met up and signed a contract and um I mean it's not a massive financial sponsorship but um it's enough to get me started and I've I've earned that money back already. So and he just keeps saying to me, "Just move, do it for the next one, pay for the next one." So uh, that's what I'm doing. So it's quite good to to have that financial security that I never had before. Yeah, it's just it's, it's
0: just amazing to have that financial security. In addition to that, you've got a, a deal with Super Darts, and your custom darts came out quite recently. And I have to say, they look very nice. What yeah. are they? Are they based on a set that you used before?
3: Um, yeah, there was a guy called Silas who does their designing, um, and I knew him when I used to do just the, the small circuit. I used to do two thousand fourteen, fifteen, and I went to Lithuania, from Lithuania, and I, I got to know him then. And I didn't realise he was part of a part of a, a bigish company um, with uh, sports equipment. Uh, and I just said to him, is there any chance you could design me as a dart? Uh, I used to use, I used to use, a few years ago, I used to use Jockey Wilson darts. Um, and when I went to Romania and played the Romanian Open, I come through customs and they were in my hand luggage. And uh, I forgot to put them in my case and he confiscated them. So uh, one of our friends, uh, Lee Watts from Devon, he, he had a set of darts and he gave me them, uh, which I've been using. But I just found it a bit smooth, I just needed a little bit more grip, so yeah, so Salus, so he, uh, he just designed a set for me based on the darts that I had, which I think they were Harrow Bulls, um, but I just need a bit more grip on, on the front, so uh, yeah, that's why I designed them like that. I mean, the, the way I've been playing, I didn't know if it was a good choice to change, but I used them the first night I got them, and um, I mean, I had a, a 75 average, but... It was still good for the first time I used them. Mm. Um, yeah, so that was uh, how that came around. Uh, my darts was super darts, and um, Jim McEwen and John O'Shea said uh, that super darts may uh, pair may have a a chance and opening for you if you if you'd like to have an equipment sponsorship. Um, so all my all my eggs were coming in one basket, as I say. Uh, so uh, I, I've never turned it away, and um, I, I, I mean, I play, I play with uh, Man Adams was at Cambridge Wolfie, and um, he said, any opportunities there, you just take it. Where well, you go and pay a small, small fee, or you get it for free, just take it, and um, that's what I've done. And I'm, I'm just over the moon of what I've achieved this year.
0: Of course. Uh, I, I was down in Celsea a couple of weeks ago as were you. You played in the, the British pentathlon and you got you picked up some ranking points in the in the national singles. How was that Celsea weekend for you?
3: Oh it was just amazing. I just I mean again, I was just I was just I don't know what's the Scottish part of me trying to save money. Um but I have converted my work van into a camper van, so I went down there so that saved the money, so I had money to buy food and stuff and like that. Um and then to be invited into to play the British pent- Pentathlon, along with some other, like, 20 other, uh, 19 other great guys, oh, it's just amazing, from Hankey to uh, Neil Duff, uh, Gary Stafford, oh, it's just been amazing. In the halfway stage, when they, they were calling like doing the, the, the top three, and uh, they said Neil Duff and uh, a young guy called Luke Littler, and, and then my name came out, and I was like... <laughs> I was go-smacked, I was number one on the halfway stage. It was just amazing. Um, and I think hearing that, um, I, I didn't lose the ball. I just I tried to be safe and play safe instead of being aggressive in my play and just carrying on. Um, I think that would have probably cost me a bit. But I mean, to finish mid-table... Um in my first event, first time ever, it's just amazing. Mm. Um and then to get in the top uh get to the last sixteen in the open. Uh I think it am not sure it was the last sixty four in the other one. Um but to pack up ranking points, um the money is is not important to me. Um, it's the title. Um and to have the opportunity to play it for the first time um, and get that far was uh, amazing and then one of my other friends I play with he couldn't play the pairs so I picked up another guy uh, from Norfolk, Craig Vindman, Um, and we got to the semi-final of the pairs as well which was another massive achievement. If you told me last this time last year that I'd be doing all these things it's just I'd be like yeah yeah whatever. It's just uh, yeah it's really good it really I just I just can't. I keep thanking Robert and and Pear from Super Darts because it's just amazing how they've opened the door for me. As I say, I wish I'd done it ten years ago, but I wasn't as good as I was ten years ago. I am now, but <laughs> I think I'm getting better with
0: age, <laughs> like a it's fine like, wine.
3: Oh uh, yeah, a fine wine, a good cheese. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> during that time in Celsea, I did see you in the hall during the weekend, and I have to say. You see a great variety of darts shirts in that hall, but yours was one of the favourites that I saw during the weekend. But I've got to ask you, on the back, Fear the Haggis, where does that come from? Um,
3: well, as I said, I always wanted to be... A... When I was younger, um, any, kid, any kid when they're younger, and they're in the school playground, and they want to be picked for a football team or any kind of sport thing, I was one of the ones that was always last to get picked like oh yeah it comes on yeah here comes on yeah, yeah yeah all right we'll have you can go and go and that kind of stuff and i thought i'm just gonna i want to find a sport that i'm good at that i can i could do and they could fear me um when i come up to play when they, 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 go, they see me and they draw and i think oh no
2: i've got him that's what i wanted i always wanted that i wanted to be people picking
3: me for the team rather than me picking them and uh so when, when i moved to devon um, there was a chap there, and, and um, I used to get called Jock, which is a normal <laughs> Scottish thing. Um, but we were playing in the Super League team, a uh, bit of the Royals. And um, he said to me, I think we should call you Haggis. Let's fear the Haggis. And um, and it just it stuck. It really just stuck from then. and I always wanted, I mean, I always had like the Haggis man on my shirt. And as I went, when I went to Q School, I said to myself, I've got to get a shirt that people look at um, and admire. And, um, and it's like Neil and he just, it he just kept taking pictures and pictures and pictures of my <laughs> shirt. And I was like, really, do you have to do that? But it really stood out. And it wasn't invasive to people. I don't think it was, like, as in a, an angry way of fear the haggis. I think it's... You know, it's just put me out there that I'm here and and I'm going to... It's not over until the, the big lady sings. Um, and that's where the fear of the highest came from.
0: Those points in the England national singles, I think, will make you a seeded player at the, the, the Danish Open in just over a week's time. What else is on the calendar for you in terms of WDF events for the rest of 2021? Um, well, today, uh, this morning, I've just been... Um, I've got I've got the British classic. Obviously I've got a Danish and then the Northern Ireland one was cancelled. So I'm looking for something to fill in that weekend unless the wife takes me somewhere, but um
2: then I've got the British Classic uh, and then i got a Welsh classic and I've just booked the Hungarian Masters this for this month. And then uh, November i got Malta and the Irish classic, killarney uh with Niall Coulton. Um, he's helped me
3: set all that up and arrange everything,
2: um, and then the check uh, and the check open as well. Pardon me,
3: but I'm struggling to uh, to book that one at the moment. I don't know why. I just can't get in to book it. If not, I'll probably go to Latvia or, Ita- or Italian Open. Um, i both I've been to both of them before, and they're really good. It's only a bronze tournament, but. Well I, I just I'll never forget my uh, my roots where I started off and where everybody liked me and yeah, that's where I started off. So that's that's my thing. And then hopefully um with the World Masters, uh, the World Championship and things coming up in the German Open in December, so that's that's my things up until Christmas. Purposely I haven't looked beyond January because of obviously um I think a Q school will be offered to me again to go through and try and get my tour card because um, the challenge here has been excellent absolutely brilliant <laughs> and to get recognised there as well when you walk in the door and some of the old guys are there and uh, Robert Thornton and things it's been oh it's just been great um, and they say oh not you again
2: <laughs> is it I yes and then uh, uh, yeah it's just uh, oh it's just been amazing just amazing year um, but I've been. I know I've
3: been. I've been registered uh, from the Faroe Islands because on my Dart, not Wikipedia thing, but wherever it's Dart thing. Um, it's got an England flag in there, which is a bit of. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a bit. A bit um, and I keep saying to them, "Look, I'm not English." Um, I know I've been living in England for like thirty years, but um, I'm not English. But uh, if anything, put Scotland in there. But um, yeah, the. Uh, so they've given me, what I've found out is they, um, they've been allocated two spaces in the World Championship, Fair Island. So, fingers crossed, I'm hoping to play well enough to represent the Fair Islands at the World Championship, which would be quite nice. But I'd rather win it, win a tournament and things and get there by ranking rather than just being given a place.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Um, yeah, that's my schedule for uh, 2021.
0: You have quite an interesting backstory. You mentioned it there. You've been in England the last 30 years or so, but as far as I understand, you, you were born and, and grew up in the the Faroe Islands. So talk to me about what it was like growing up there and how you got introduced to dance. Uh, I was
3: born on a place called uh, Twery, which is one of the southern islands of uh, the Faroe Islands. There's 18 different islands. Uh, there's a 50,000 population. Um... And it was it was quiet. There was no TV. There's no. There was a little radio. Uh, my dad was a fisherman, uh, which he met my mother. Um, we used to fish off uh, Fair Islands, Iceland, and stuff. Uh, fish like Aberdeen, Peterhead, um, and the. So obviously, um, and he wanted me and my mother to go back to. To wonder we go back to Scotland to move with back with him, um, and by this time my mother was pregnant again, and my sister. Um, so they said, "Look, there's nothing really much here to do for you." My mum worked in a fish shed, that, that done dried fish and stuff and that. There's nothing here. Come back to Scotland with me. So I think really basically we were, we were the uh, we were one of the first um, illegal immigrants because we came back in my dad's fishing boat. <laughs> um, and uh, I don't know when that was, 1970, something, 71, 70, 71 something like that. And then the, th- the annoying thing is now, um, my dad would registered me as uh, a British citizen in 1974, which was, uh, anyway, yeah, so we lived in Scotland. I played darts in Scotland. Though. I used to watch my mum playing. Uh, when I was 14 and she was a very, very good player. I mean, she could have played for Scotland, she was that good. But my my dad wouldn't let her play, uh, play, uh, go any further with the darts. Um, and I said, oh, don't worry, mum, I'll make it one day um, and I'll do it for you. Uh, I played for a local pub, the uh, West End bar and a place called Pitt and Wean in the East nuke Fife. And uh, I played for youth uh, for a uh, youth club and um, we played a lot of youth clubs around Scotland I'm not sure what time that when that was but I was about 15, 14, 15 um, and I won that and, and then I just played for local pubs um, and then I started getting better and then I started to play golf but I was still playing arts um, and then I moved to St Andrews and played with Danny Cunningham who played for Scotland didn't know who he was uh, I played against him and won one uh, for one against another, and I beat him. And um, everybody kept saying, do "You know who that is? Do you know who that is?" And I said, "Well, I don't know who it is." And they told me it was Danny Cunningham. I was like, "Oh yeah, right, okay, that's good."
2: But his father was in my team, and the, nobody said a thing to me. <laughs> um,
3: and I was being a bit cocky, and I, I had sixty left, so I went bull double five. And he said, "Never do that to me." Never do that to anyone. Don't disrespect some anyone. Um, and he had 134 left, and he went bull double 17, bull. And uh, I was like, right, okay, I'm not <laughs> as good as that. <laughs> and and uh, and then we just he said, do "You want to play in our Super League team?" And that was it. That was that was me hoot for for life really. I think I just turned 18, and I was just um, and then I, I met my ex-wife, and uh, my kids came along uh got to 20 um and i thought i've got to try and put this further and obviously the marriage in kids it kind of went away for a little while for a couple of years and then i moved in 1990 i moved to uh, 91 i moved to england moved to devon uh and that was that was a bit naughty really but I, i used to uh travel around the pubs uh, Devon and Cornwall and Somerset, Dorset, and um, pretend I never played darts and I just watched guys playing for pints. But obviously I don't drink, so I used to say I'll play for the equivalent of money and <laughs> it was a bit annoying, But I used to like come home with two or three hundred pound. <laughs> I did it and it was quite good. And uh, obviously nobody knew me because I just not long moved there. Um, but. The, the, the girl I moved with, um, circumstances changed, and that was it. I was uh, uh, I worked for a local radio station, uh, doing the PA things and PR things, and that it was quite good. Uh, but and uh, and then I played for a team, in eventually played for a team in there. Um, and when I was playing against one of the teams from Exeter, one of the guys recognised me. Um, and they used to call me the Hustler Um, and I ended up being in the local West County News newspaper did a spread on me being the Hustler, John (laughs) Emery, which was quite a thing I thought, no, I can't do that anymore, that's bad, I want people to like me, not to hate me, so, uh, and then this, and that's when this guy said to me, um, they'll fear the haggis. Not fear the hustler, fear the haggis, and that's where that came uh, So that was it. Mm. <laughs>
2: uh,
3: and then, yeah, this uh, the girl. She she moved on with her life, and uh, in them days there was no mobile phones or anything, so I couldn't get hold of my parents. So I ended up on the streets, sleeping sleeping in the back of Marks and Spencer's bin bags. Um, and I didn't know, really know that many people. Um, I used to shave with a broken bottle and, in the public toilets, uh, just drink out of the public toilets, eat, eat burgers and stuff uh, from Wimpy out of bins. Um, I only intended it to be like a couple of weeks, just, um, but I ended up nearly seven months on the, uh, on the streets. Um, and the only thing that kept me going was... I wish I could go back to doing darts again. I didn't have my darts. I had nothing on me. I wish I could go back to doing in the pubs again and hustling again to get some money, to get myself back home again, back to Scotland. And to play. For, I wanted to play for Scotland. That was one of my biggest things. Even even today, it's still one of the biggest things to play for Scotland. I mean, that has gone now. I, um, I, I didn't even realise that the Fair Islands were... Uh, I had a dart team or anything, so to find out that the place where I, I was born and come from um, have a darts team and they've asked
2: me to represent them now, it's one of them, just a massive,
3: massive achievement. Um, and when I do hang up my darts, as I say, uh, I'd like to have the chance to, to push them forward.
2: With like WDF and other PDC, all the different kind of darting things. They have said I've, I've put the fair on the map with my
3: playing. Um, yeah, so that was that. And then when I was on the street, there was a chap a bit wandering there. But um, when I was on the, on the street, there was a chap bumped into me. His name was Brian Hawks. And um, his wife, Tracy, was there. And, and when I moved down there, I'd played football for her. And he said to me, he says, what are you? Who's that? And I said, oh, it's me. And... He said, guess what are you you doing down there? And I just cried and I said, look, I just, I don't even know what day it is or anything. I just, and I explained what had happened with my relationship and why I couldn't go home and things. And I moved him in for about two or three weeks. Um, uh, Got myself together and um, he said, oh, I'll give you a loan of some money. I said, no, I don't want it, I'll on it just let me do the garden or whatever and stuff and like that. So that's what I did and there was a job came up. They were looking for a chef um, at Haven Holidays in a place called Buck's Meals uh, in Northevan. And uh, I kind of, I read, Brian had a book, uh, Rick Stein and Gary Rhodes. So I read the books from back to front about four or five times. I went for the job interview and I got the job so I bluffed my way into the job there. Um, and then there was a dart competition on the Thursday uh, at the holiday park. And I said, oh, can I centre it? And I played it and I used these old brass darts. I won that thing there as well. So they said, oh, congratulations. I said, no, I'm one of those staff, I can't play it. So I won that. And then that got me back into my darts again. Because um, I lived I, I lived on the, the, the park, so I had a caravan. and. Um, there was a pub just up the road, uh, the Farmers Arms, I went and played for them. And they'd remembered me from two years ago. When I first moved down there, they remembered me and said, oh, come and play for us. Um, and that was it, it just snowballed from there. I just, uh, I met this girl and uh, her mum and dad took me in. Um, and I just, and I bought a shop and post office. So I'd gone from all that, from having nothing to a shopping and post office, my own paint and decorating business, um, and I was back playing darts again. I always said I'd never go back to what I was, but I'd help as many people as I can. I do. I, I do a lot of stuff for charity. Yeah, it's just been quite an emotional time in my life. Um, I've started to write a book about about my my life, my the things I've done in my life, things I've achieved, things I want to achieve. Um, and one of the main things was to play for Devon uh, County um, and win everything that Devon could put on, like uh, the the Super League singles, the Devon singles, the highest average winner for County, um, the uh, Pairs Gold Cup, um, the Gold Cup Pairs to qualify to go to Lakeside for them. And I've done all that um i played super league in cornwall um and i wanted to win the, the super league uh championship in cornwall with the team that we had from Bude. uh the lucky kiss in Bude and we done that as well um i just kept saying i set myself targets and just and i was i was hitting them all the time It was uh and i wanted to win the devon open which i won the devon open that then as well and um got to the Kent Open, uh got beat by Manley in the semi final, Peter Manley. Um oh, it's just just it's been the darts has just been people say you gotta have friends, but the friends I've gained through Darts and helped me, not financially but mentally and everything as well. It's just been I've been indebted to them my whole life since I've been in England. Well yeah, darts has just been everything for me really. Um and my ex-wife gave me an ultimatum to pick her darts. darts, um, and well, I'm still playing darts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been, yeah, it's been good. It's, I've enjoyed it. the friends I've got from all over the world. When I, when I, when I've been playing online, playing online, um, I've been sending guys in America. Greece, New Zealand. Uh, they've been asking for my flights, um, which I got from um, Martin Adams Wolfie. He says, I'll, "I'll the guy that supplies me. I'll get him to supply you some flights." Thinking that flight's thinking it's like twenty sets, thirty sets, and then fifteen hundred sets came through my door. This big box. I was like, "Really?" <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my goodness! I just, I just can't believe." What's happened this year? But I've been, I've been, yeah, it's been, it's been good, and it's that homeless thing is just, it's, it has, it's made me. I, yes, I was cocky, I was, I wasn't arrogant, but I was like, this is me, and I don't, I don't regret everything that I've done because it's, it's made me who I am now, and. I'm glad I went through that stage. Um, When I play, when I see people think, oh, it's this and that. Look, my friend, there's there's more things in life than having to worry about that. It's one game of darts. You haven't lost your house. You haven't lost your relationship. You haven't lost your kids, anything. It's one game of darts you've lost. That's it. One leg. Don't hurt yourself or, or, or anything like that because of darts. But yes, it is. A lot of people still angry with it losing but uh, if I win I win if I lose I lose
2: well
0: can't say anymore I'm getting bit I think certainly for one that book when you do finish writing it I think will be a brilliant read but I think it's obvious that darts has been a constant in your life and has kind of got you through the bad times and brought you some incredibly good times as well and at the moment you're playing Super League in three different counties your name's getting out there, people are seeing you, you're playing well, beating great players and you know it, things are going very well for you at the moment.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm playing for Bedfordshire Super League uh, with a guy called Ben Hazel and stuff in his team. I think it's RSA, RSA, I can't remember.
2: I just turn up and play and that's it. But, uh, <laughs> uh, and then I play in Suffolk
3: Super League with some of the old Essex guys that I used to play against when I played for Devon, which is like, it's amazing. And he said to me, oh yeah, come and play for us, come and play for us. And um, uh, we, we used to play at St Mary, but the um, the pub, they closed down because of the uh, the pandemic. Um, and unfortunately, the guy just died last week who owned it. And we moved to a different place. Um, I can't remember the name of the place now something St Mary not far up the road from there um, and it's yeah it's been good it's um and <laughs> when you we were talking about the fear of the Haggis um there was a couple of chaps came in from this pub that we played and they said oh we know you and he said, you're going to celsie and i said yeah 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 mm-hmm. and i said oh you do well i saw you i saw your things on um about q school and stuff and that and uh we saw online that the guys were Saying that fan would beat you and uh, would beat you six four six two and and then you you absolutely whitewashed her. It's just and I hope I don't play you tonight. So, <laughs> there we go with that fear of the hangers thing again. <laughs> but um, and then uh, Cambridgeshire. The, the, one of the reasons why I moved to Cambridgeshire um, was my. Ma the girl must now that I've that I have married. Um I've got remarried again. Um jo, absolutely the
2: support she's given me is phenomenal. But we were we were at home and we we're we we're
3: living in Somerset at the time together, um, just set up together. And I said to her, Look, there's a map of the of the UK. If you throw a dart, wherever it lands is where we'll move. And she said, No, we won't. I said, Yeah we'll do that, we'll just sell all the things we've got here and we'll move up. And um, so she threw it and the first one went in the North Sea and I thought, well, that's impossible. (laughs) And then the second one landed in Cambridge, so hence the reason we moved to Cambridge. We just got up and moved and um, unfortunately, I knew people like Amanda uh, Harwood, Will Harwood, uh, Joe Clark, Tony Clark, who play for Cambridgeshire. Um, So I used to see them at Lithuania and Romania and they said, look, come and move. Up. Yeah, come and move up here. We, Joe, she has does a rented property, so she says I've got an empty house there. If you want to move in there, so that was one of the reasons why it was a bit easier for us to move to Cambridge. But that's what I'm saying about uh, about darts, and it's just one massive big family that that helped us, and they helped us through again through darts uh, to move to Cambridge." Um, and, and that's how I got to know so many people in all the other counties that I've been playing in. And to be in my first year in the Super Leagues, I've been finishing the top 10, which has been really good And uh, Cambridgeshire, um, finishing in the top 10 as well. With some really great players. Yeah, it's been amazing. Amazing, amazing life. Um, and now it's, it's all come back, that's just come back on again. Really? And I played, I played my first game. <laughs> Unfortunately, our first Cambridgeshire County game was cancelled um, because the venue was booked, which is against Oxfordshire, but um, that's coming back in April. Um, and the next one is next week, but
2: I'm in playing the Danish Open, hmm. which is, is a bit unlucky
3: with the the dates for the WDF and the, the new UKDA but it was going to happen sometime one or, or another um, and I think another one landed on the same I think a Northern Ireland one or something happened. is happening on the next one it's a bit bad but um, yeah I mean, I'm enjoying it and I've I'm, and I'm managed to hold my own at the moment so <laughs> it's great
0: <laughs> Thank you so much for your time today John <clears throat> I really appreciate it, and I appreciate you know your honesty, and just hearing your story has been brilliant. And I wish yeah. you all the best for the rest of the season, and hopefully, starting next year, I can see you at Lakeside, and we can have another another natter then.
3: Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward it, and uh, thank you very much for this. It's, uh, uh again, it's just been amazing, and 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 meeting you through the darts uh, is just amazing, and and the stuff you do is uh, really appreciated. I can tell you that. Um, everybody talks about you um, and they appreciate what you've been doing to them and to pro- help, especially to promote people as well you're, you're just an amazing guy
0: Very kind, thank you John
3: That's all right, uh, thank you very much oh,
0: I absolutely loved speaking to John and I hope you enjoyed listening to it as well I knew he had a fascinating backstory before I spoke to him but it it was great to hear him talk about it so frankly and kind of walk me through the the journey he's taken since moving down to England and like Raymond earlier in the show he's someone I genuinely wish all the success this season and beyond and I would love to see him at Lakeside I think it'd be a wonderful moment for him but also I think a, a wonderful story for the tournament as well thank you very much to John and to Ray for their time this week and thank you for listening the support is greatly appreciated as always. One of the show's regular listeners, Kurt at Matador Darts, actually had a question for me this week, which I'll kind of go into now. And it was, it was about the recent England Darts Organisation Southern Regional World Masters World Playoff qualifier. So that was run by Angie Hogan down in Basingstoke this past Sunday, and unfortunately there were only eight players in total, and none of them were in the ladies' competition. Two qualifiers on the day were Scott Marsh and Steve Wells, but obviously to only have eight players there in total is incredibly disappointing. I'm sure you could make the argument that you know a lot of the women who may have gone were at the women's series, but you would also think, by the same token, that with perhaps a wider open field and world championship playoff spots on the line, you'd hope that at least a handful would turn up. Um, I think if you're if you're looking for explanations, I think one factor influencing things is the status of the, is the World Playoffs and whether they're going to go ahead. And if they do go ahead, where are they are going to be? They're still scheduled officially for the Netherlands this December, at the same time the World Masters were going to be. But I don't think entries are open yet. And I have not seen any further confirmation of anything yet on the WTFs website or on their social media channels. I've even had players message me in the last week about the status of the World Open and the World Championship Playoff. And obviously there's nothing I can tell them. But, you know, if you're a player and you don't know what or when the spot you're playing for will get you, I could understand why you might not want to part with 25 quid plus travelling down and petrol and all the other stuff. So I could understand that, but, but to only have eight people is poor. And I think ultimately a core reason for it is probably communication. Tommy Thompson, the England chairman, discussed the playoffs on this show at the end of August. And I know they were announced on Facebook, at least around that time. I think it was the day before the show came out, the day after. But the only post about them that I can see on the England website homepage was on the 21st of September, which was five days before the event and roughly around the time entries would have closed. So that post kind of explains that counties can nominate one man and one woman to enter free of charge, or they can run a playoff within their own county for players to win entry, or alternatively, you can pay £25 to enter the competitions. And there's no barrier in terms of age. But to only have eight players there smacks to me that either counties weren't given the right information, they weren't given the information in sufficient time to run the playoffs properly, or they had the information and then didn't run the playoffs in sufficient time for the winners of those to then arrange travel and accommodation down to Basingstoke for the event on Sunday. Either way, whichever those options it turns out to be in each place, it's not a good look at all. And I'm not sure how much is going to change by the time they have the second regional qualifier, the northern regional qualifier, on the 9th of October. Entries for that close on the 6th of October. And at the time of recording, four men have entered and there are zero ladies entered. Uh, it's one to keep an eye on. You can see the entry numbers on the England website, but it is disappointing nonetheless. Kurt, I hope that kind of, you get my thoughts from that. But um, yeah, it's, it's disappointing to see, but fingers crossed that the second one, has a far better turnout and by then we have further information on what's happening. The WF Tour itself resumes this coming weekend with the gold-graded Denmark Open and the silver-graded Denmark Masters. As with all gold-graded events, the winners will secure direct entry to Lakeside next year. The defending Denmark Masters champion and WF World No. 1 Brian Roman is top seed for the men's events with Neil Duff, Chris Landman, Andy Bartons and Tipot Trecole making up the top five seeds. Ricard Weinstra, Sebastian Steyer and John O'Shea, among other seeded players in the field of 250 men. And in terms of the non-seeded players to look out for, I'd say Sweden's Andreas Harrison, after his performances on the Euro Tour in Gibraltar. Sean McDonald, who was on the show earlier this year and I think has bags of potential and is going to be an absolute nightmare draw for anybody in the first round. Thomas Jonghans from Switzerland is always a dangerous player. And then, of course, you've got some of the Danish guys as well who are capable of causing a few upsets like Ivan Springborg-Pelsen and um, Andreas Toft-Jorgensen. So they're players to watch out for. In the ladies' competition, the two women who dominated the PDC Women's Series this past weekend, Lisa Ashton and Fallon Sherrick, won't be there. In Lisa's case, it's obvious. You know, she talk hard older, but Fallon hasn't entered but I have to say, just on the Women's Series, it was wonderful to see those two playing at such an incredible standard throughout the weekend. I loved watching their tussles, and I loved seeing all the other players, you know, really step up their games and produce some fantastic performances. Dieter Hedman was third on the Order of Merit of the Women's Series, and she's top seed out in Denmark, followed by Ellen de Graaf, who couldn't arrange the travel to get over, Anka Zilstra, and Anastasia De Broma-Slova. Ros another one who really played well at the Women's Series, beat Makura Suzuki 4-0, and she played at an incredible standard throughout the whole weekend. She's also in Denmark, and I think, in my opinion, she's a great shout for picking up some decent points. Thanks again, as always, for listening. After this, you can go and check out my recent review of September's ranking action on the WDF website, and you can follow me on Twitter at am Sinclair ninety seven. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Inside the WDF. You can like the Facebook page Inside the WDF and you can like, rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Stay safe and I'll see you next time.